Father, abide with us now as we reflect on your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do be seated. I feel like having uh, introduced Psalm 88 to you this morning, maybe it's a psalm that's familiar to you, but it is, as I explained to the choir just before coming in, one of life's dark psalms. Um, I feel like I should apologise for preaching on it this morning, but I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we, uh, in the summer, are taking a, a lighter approach to preaching, allowing some of our preachers to uh, choose a particular favourite psalm that they want to reflect on. And uh, Psalm 88 was, a, not, I guess, not a favourite, but a psalm that I turned to in a particular time of trouble in my life. Uh, but I'll get on to that in a moment. Olivia introduced us uh, last week uh, to Psalm 139 with an honest testimonial about that psalm and how important it was in her life. She also explained the importance of psalms in our worship. The psalms are, after all, a hymn book uh, that uh, Scripture has for us that has stood the test of time for millennia. And they've been a resource for people to turn to in times of trouble. It's worth saying that in the psalms we do have a rich treasure of material. This material is used liturgically in our worship through our prayers and our songs. Uh, Some of the songs that we sing are inspired by the psalms. Psalms are used devotionally for for each of us in our own private Bible study and prayer times. And certainly they are useful uh, pastorally. They usefully communicate some of the things of God's heart as they can speak into individual lives. This is particularly true of psalms of lament, of which Psalm 88 is a particular one. Psalms of lament have a particular place in our Christian vocabulary. It's great to know that even in the darkest moments of our lives, God has provided us with a rich liturgical resource to express those dark experiences. It's often when we experience times of disorientation and dislocation, traumatic life experiences, death or major moves or shifts in our life, that we frequently reach the extremities of what our language can convey. Walter Brueggemann, a famous theologian, says, the loss of an orderly life is linked to a loss of language, or at least to a discovery of the inadequacy of language. Basically, what he's saying is we don't have the words often to describe the emotions we're feeling when we're going through difficult times. The dark days of our life more often than not, come, up, come upon us unexpectedly. And we can't be expected in those moments to have a vocabulary for expressing how it feels. And so it can be useful in those times to turn to the Psalms as a, as a resource when we reach the limits of our own language. Psalm 23, which Graham will preach on in a couple of weeks, is a classic example of that. Verse 4 in that Psalm says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How many times have I said those words or heard those words at funerals? Many of the psalms of lament will describe a situation of either personal or communal despair that people are going through. But then will often end with or have in the middle some acknowledgement that God is at least in control of the situation, even though it's a dark one. So an example is Psalm 12 in the first verses. It says, Lord... For no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbour. They flatter with their lips, but harbour deception in their hearts. Painting a difficult picture. But then in verse 7, a resolution. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. 
an acknowledgement that God is still in control, even though things are dark. But there are times when we just don't feel in a place to be able to acknowledge that God will help or God can intervene. And Psalm 88 is, is a psalm to turn to in those moments. And in many ways, as I've said, I feel like I ought to apologise for preaching on a psalm that's really bleak in outlook and seemingly full of despair. Commentators have struggled with what to do with this psalm. And coming back to Walter Brugman, he says of this psalm, I submit that this psalm has a peculiar and distinctive function and is a resource as precious as it is peculiar. And John Bell of the Iona community says that we need to learn to love Psalm 88 in our vocabulary like we love Psalm 23. And I think if we can get through this sermon with an appreciation of Psalm 88, then I hope that we will have achieved at least something. For me, Psalm 88 was a place to turn when there were no words, but words were needed. A psalm to turn to when I needed to hold on to raw and real emotion, hold on to despair, dwell in the darkness without a resolution, when a resolution would feel cheap or empty. When we have no prayers to pray, Psalm 88 can verbalise some of the depth of the feeling. I found Psalm 88, or I guess Psalm 88 found me during a difficult time of life. I came across it during, I was attending a clergy conference in Durham back in 2005, some 13 years ago. I wasn't ordained at the time, but I was uh, there as youth officer for the diocese. The conference was just two years after my mum had died rather suddenly at age 58. And discovering Psalm 88 came as part for me of the healing process of my grief. Mum was a fit and active school secretary. She was a cub leader and an aerobics enthusiast. She was a loving wife, mother, and recent grandmother to our eldest son, Thomas. She was diagnosed with a brain tumour in October of 2003, but then by November she'd passed away uh, quietly at home. The particularly cruel twist uh, was that where the tumour had impacted her, or where it had grown on her brain, impacted her ability to balance and to speak, so she wasn't able to walk or talk for the final couple of weeks of her life. This time had come also at a a time when uh, we'd also experienced the sudden death of my uncle, uh, my mum's only sibling, and then my grandfather shortly after, her father. Having gone through these difficulties, we then had the joy of our second child, Harry. He was born in the following March after that November. But then himself, he had some health scares of his own. And it was in those moments of darkness when we were contemplating where God was and what he was doing, It felt that we were in the words of Psalm 88. You have put us in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon us. You have overwhelmed us with all your waves. First couple of years after Mum's death and Harry's health scare, we'd gone through what you would say the early stages of grief. So it wasn't that I hadn't faced grief until this point. It was just that the point of stumbling across Psalm 88 that I realised that I was still holding a grudge against God for allowing us to go through such darkness. The best way I can describe it is to say that I needed to forgive God. Of course, God really doesn't need my forgiveness. It's just the best way I can describe the emotions of the time. Psalm 88 says, I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Psalm 88 gave me the words that I needed to stand and shout at God, 
to shout how useless, powerless he was and how, how empty his words are and how void his promises seem to be. It was all very bitter emotion. But it was in that moment that I also realised that as well as inflicting these emotions on me, it was also God who had given me the resources. He'd given me the words to pray to him. Give me the words to say, to reflect my emotions. It was like a beautiful awakening in that paradox, a moment when, in that silence, I rediscovered God, or perhaps he rediscovered me. Lucy Winkett, um, who's a famous Anglican priest, says silence is a place where compassion is cultivated. Silence is a place where compassion is cultivated. Perhaps we ought to learn the art of silence. In the silence after reading this psalm, I was able to look back and see how mum's death and all the other difficulties we'd faced during that, that last few months had impacted on our relationship with God and how that relationship needed some healing. And that God not only wanted to provide the healing, but he's also given me in Psalm 88 the words to help me in that healing process. And as dark as Psalm 88 is, it was refreshing to be introduced to a psalm where there is seemingly no resolution, just a feeling of abandonment and absolute sadness and despair. But sometimes in our lives we need that. I can almost guarantee that each one of us sitting here today has at some point in your life felt the need to express the raw emotion that Psalm 88 gives. It's one of those psalms where you get to the end of it And the reader, as Brian did this morning, says, this is the word of the Lord. And often you feel like when you read Psalm 88, that's a question uh, rather than a statement. This is the word of the Lord. But it is the word of the Lord. God gives us these beautiful resources in order to express even the rawest emotion, the darkest emotion. And lament is an important feature. and It must be an important feature of a faith that at its core, our Christian faith is about relationship. A relationship with our creator, God. God desires, loves to be in relationship with his people. In fact, the whole story of the Bible is about him, God relentlessly pursuing his people and the people's various responses to him. But it's often the case that in a relationship, one party needs to give voice to discontent. And without the language of lament that the Bible gives us, the danger is that we simply become yes men and women to God. The language of lament helps to transport us to a new reorientation from a state of disorientation. Lament is a language that God understands. Lament is a language that God is comfortable with. Maybe we should embrace it a little bit more in our Christian vocabulary. We've got some beautiful hymns and worship songs that express our love for God, but often we don't have a strong tradition of lament in our church services. But unlike most psalms, where you would perhaps turn the page in in the psalm and see uh, a a phrase like, yes, it is a dark situation, and yet you did X or Y, and everything in the end will turn out fine. This psalm ends in an unresolved state. We get to the end of Psalm 88, and we see the last line, darkness is my closest friend. We don't see a resolution here. The psalmist is saying that his life is in hell It's in a hell of a mess. And no one, including God himself, seems to be listening. And sometimes we need to express those kind of prayers to God. And yet, and yet, 
there's still a glimmer of hope in this passage, in this psalm. By the time you get to the end of it, it feels as though there is absolutely no hope left whatsoever. But the hope of this psalm, if we turn right back to the beginning, we see the moment of hope. It starts, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Lord, you are the God who saves me. So much happens in the intervening verses that this line is easy to miss. There's an acknowledgement right at the very start of this psalm that God is being addressed, that he is the author of our salvation. And the fact that this psalm is even verbalised and written down for others is hopeful, I think. And I think it's part of the beauty of Psalm 88 that it exists. And the psalmist is not merely seeking answers, but is simply pleading to be heard in heaven, pleading to have his voice heard in heaven. If we are heard, then we can start to heal. So I think if there's hope in this passage, it lies in that very first line. Lord, you are the God who saves me. If God can hear us, if we acknowledge that God can hear us, then he can hear the darkest cries of our hearts. He can see the blackness of our souls at times. And yet we can still acknowledge that he is the God who saves us. The fact that the psalmist has bothered to show up and write or speak these words out signals the belief that he has that someone is listening, that God is there, that he is listening, and he is the one who saves. And for that point, that dark moment in my life, this psalm gave me just what I needed to be able to have that raw and honest conversation with God and almost immediately to begin the healing process to reappreciate the frailty of life and to reorient myself into the beauty of a relationship with God, a God who even gives us the words that we need to be angry and shout at him. And we live, don't we, in a world where people are angry, where we each of us have experienced pain in some way. So Psalm 88 shows us that we have a God who listens to us, who loves us so much that he gives us the words to express our anger at him, even when we failed him, even when we let him down. And when we get to the end of our words, when we get to the end of our psalm, we realise, as I did, that God is still there listening to us, still wanting to reach out and be in relationship with us. And we live in a world where many people will choose to avoid trite answers and they will avoid people who give out trite answers. They want people who will take time to listen, to understand their situation. And maybe Psalm 88 is a part of our witness to those who experience pain and face struggles in their life. So I offer you this morning Psalm 88, not necessarily as my favourite psalm, but a psalm that particularly spoke to me in a dark moment of my life. A psalm that expresses the deepest, rawest, darkest of emotions. So as we continue in our series of psalms, I'm going to preach at the end of our series on a lighter psalm, Psalm 121. Uh, But equally, that has has had powerful influence on my life. So as we continue, I offer you Psalm 88 as a resource to turn to in those difficult moments of our lives. So as I said before, let's take a moment of quiet to reflect on these words and the words of Psalm 88. Psalm 88. 